all need someone, quite often, to help us think and to dream beyond what we're accustomed, accustomed to thinking or dreaming. We need people to help us to see beyond what we can see right here and right now, to help give us an imagination of how things might be or could be, because we're not always good on our own to see those kinds of things. We need people to help us do that sometimes. And so that's why the scientific world was on fire this week. I'm sure if you have a Facebook account, you've seen it, you watch the news. Einstein's been everywhere over the news this week, right? So what, a hundred years ago, he dropped an idea on people that sounded ridiculous. So ridiculous, in fact, there were times he didn't even buy into it. There were so many things about what he was saying, what he was theorizing, that just didn't make sense. But he had an idea to see something that nobody else could see. Now, the neat thing about that is he could have just been someone who had a weird and crazy idea that nobody listened to. But his words inspired countless other scientists to dream just a little bit bigger, to think about what could be there that they don't see right now. And so about 30 years or so ago, a group of scientists intently began to figure out uh, if what he was talking about was true. And as you all were able to see last week, they finally announced it. We were able to see what he was talking about. The other neat thing about that is it doesn't stop there. I've read several articles, and you would think, okay, he inspired somebody then to bring uh, the scientific world up to where it is now, to inspire them all the way to now, and maybe it would end then, but it didn't. There are people, there are schools after school after school who are saying, now we have so much more to think about. Now we have so much more to look for. Now there is so much more that we can dream of because of his his. One idea inspired so many people. Now, he did that for the scientific world. And this morning, we were reminded of Jesus who did it for all the world. We were reminded that Jesus offers us a new way of thinking, a new way of believing, a new way of living that we can't always see for ourselves. Matter of fact, sometimes we don't want to see it ourselves. But we look to Christ, our Savior, to show us what our lives, what the world could truly be like if we had a divine imagination. So Jesus has been talking to his disciples, and then he's talking to crowds of people. And in this instant, People come up to Jesus and they say, hey, okay, Jesus, we hear everything you're talking about, um, but what about those Galileans who were killed in the temple? Now, we don't know anything about what they're talking about. It was some uh, current event that happened in their time. And essentially they want to know, you know, what do you have to say about these people who were worshiping in the temple but then were slaughtered by Herod? What do you have to say about this horrible thing that has happened to them? What you and I tend to forget is that for many, most of these people, certainly you can read it in places in Scripture, the idea was if something bad has happened to you, it's because you deserved it. It's because God was punishing you 
for something that you had done. And if you would just go back as much as you could and find that thing that you had done, repent of that, then this evil that has come over you, this, this horrible incident can, can be overcome. Think of the book of Job. Job had this inexplicable thing happen to him, and his friends kept saying, if you just say what you did. And what they couldn't understand is, no, God is not punishing me for something I did. The reason why we still bring that up today is because there are plenty of us in the church who still think that way. That the things that I'm having to endure, the pain and the evil of this world that I've had to be a part of that has fallen on me is because of my sin. Sisters and brothers, what Jesus was trying to get us to see is that no, no, no. You and I live in a broken world. And as broken people who live in a broken world, sometimes things happen to us. That doesn't mean that God is trying to punish you. That doesn't mean that God is saying, ha ha, nana nana boo boo, I got you this time. And what was behind the people's question is just that thought. Jesus, what do you have to say about those Galileans who were killed while they were worshiping? And Jesus says, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? The presumed answer is, yeah, we think so. We think, yeah, those guys must have done something incredibly bad for God to have let that happen to them. Then Jesus comes up with his own scenario. who says, okay, what about the 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? The presumed answer that they probably had was, yes, they had to be worse than everybody else. And what they were saying was, that happened to them. They had to be some type of sinner. Because look at me. I'm still here. Nothing's happened to me. That means I'm okay. You see that? See how subtle that is? To think that maybe that happened to them because they were a worse kind of sinner than me. Reminds us of Jesus telling the parable, right, of the rich man and the, and the publican, right? The rich man thanked God that he was not like this sinner while the sinner was beating on his chest on the ground. God, forgive me. We, we, we try to do this, don't we? We try to classify our sins. Oh, God, I know I fall short of your glory, but I know I'm not like them either, Jesus. <laughs> do you really think they're worse than you? People always say, oh, preacher, you're, you're preaching to the choir now. You know what I say? So what? The choir needs Jesus, too. Sometimes a little more. No, no, see? No, that's the point. There is no more. We all need the grace of God. What Jesus is saying is those people that you will remember that, that were killed in the temple, the people that had this tragedy happen to them, they were not being punished. They lived in a broken world and something broken happened to them. Don't blame God for that. Sisters and brothers, please do not blame God for your sickness. Do not think, oh, God is trying to get me to pay attention. 
Is that what we think about, our loving God? That God would kick us in the face to get our attention? What Jesus does tell them is, people aren't worse than you. In fact, I want you to think about those people, and I want you to think about your own life, and I want you to understand that unless you repent, you will die just like them. Y'all with me? I, I hope you can appreciate how powerful and how beyond imagination those words would have been for those people. Jesus, are you suggesting that I could end up like them? And Jesus saying, uh, yeah. Because we all stand in need of God's grace. And unless we repent, turn around, our lives are dead. Now I'm sure many of us have have heard preachers talk about repent, repent, repent. You need to repent. You repent right here, right now. And, and so we, we make a decision. We, we repent from, from some, kind of, some kind of idea. Or, or, God, we say we're sorry for something we did or for something we said. And, and I want to tell you, that's all fine. I think that's all great. We need to do those kinds of things. But the kind of repentance that Jesus is talking about is something that is much stronger and something that is uh, ongoing. Jesus isn't just suggesting that you need to decide to repent one time and let that sort of cover the rest of your life. What Jesus is saying here is that the importance of repentance for the life of the Christian cannot be denied. Repentance is not one thing we do. It's a way that we live. We live as a people who are continually seeking to repent our lives. To turn away from that which has controlled our life, which has controlled our attitudes, which has controlled our biases, which has controlled our thoughts, our minds, our words, which has controlled the way we see other people. God says to repent means to turn away from those things and to turn to the way of life that we see in Christ Jesus. So you can say, God, I'm sorry that I'm always late for work. I repent. That's fine. Repentance means, God, I'm sorry. I am living a slothful life. You have blessed me abundantly. I have taken it all for granted, and I am deciding that I will live differently from today. Do you see the difference? What we forget, I think, that God is continually working in our hearts. You have your Ash Wednesday insert, right? We talked about all that stuff on Ash Wednesday, and we said we weren't going to give up potato chips for, Ash, for Lent. That was, excuse me, that's just dumb. But we were going to turn our life to God in meaningful ways. And so if we're bitter, then we're going to give up bitterness. If we're, if we're greedy, we're going to give up our greediness. If we're slothful, we'll give up our slothfulness. If we're busy, we'll give up our busyness. Yeah, right? It's all there. You have it there. And the idea is when we repent, we are saying, God, 
I am turning to a new idea of how my life can be. Not my idea, not her idea, not their idea, but your idea of how my life should be. Y'all with me? Oh, Preacher John, you know, you're just kind of making too much out of this. And I told God, I'm sorry, and we're, we're, me and God, we're cool now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad you and God are cool because maybe you didn't pay attention to the next parable. Is this repentance stuff a big deal? You better believe it. He told a parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. None. Cut it down. Do you want to know what the sin of the fig tree was? See, the sin was not that the fig tree was out doing bad stuff. It's not that the fig tree said, oh, I'm not going to go to church this morning. The fig tree did not say, oh, I don't need to go to Sunday school. I've got it all figured out. The sin of the fig tree was not anything evil that it was doing. In fact, the sin of the fig tree was that it didn't do nothing. Proper English? The sin of the fig tree was that it wasn't bearing fruit like it was supposed to. Let me just say this so I can get it out of the way. Oh, there are a whole lot of people who believe in the name of Jesus not bearing fruit at all. What Christ is saying is, that's not the life I gave up for you to have. I gave up my life so that you could have abundant life. The only way you begin to have that is if you understand what it means to repent. The fruit of repentance in our life looks like this. It means that we are willing to turn away from those things that are keeping us from following God more faithfully. The fruit of repentance in our life means that we are willing to ask ourselves, What things am I doing that are keeping me from serving God more faithfully? The fruit of repentance looks like this, that we are willing to say, God, not only do I ask for your forgiveness for all that I've been and said, but I am willing to start again with your power now. Now, see, this is where we have some of our issues. We we treat repentance like a sort of New Year's resolution. Right? Most of us have learned that New Year's resolutions are Oh, let me ask you this way. Uh, How's your New Year's resolutions working right now? Uh Uh-huh. So you know what I mean. What tends to happen when we make New Year's resolutions, oh, this year I'm going to, or I'm going to stop, or I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Do you notice anything there? When we repent, the fruit of repentance is we say, God, with your help, I know you are going to do something new in me. And that, sisters and brothers, is a big difference. 
different, I don't think a lot of us understand. So, we have this idea that we know that it is important for us as the body of Christ to bear fruit. You can't get away from that image in Scripture of bearing fruit. The good thing about the parable Jesus told us was we don't know what happens in the year. Right? We don't know if the gardener decided, you know what, I'm going to try a new kind of manure this year to get this tree to bear some fruit. We get to decide, is this going to be the year that this tree will finally bear fruit? And sisters and brothers, I want you to ask the same question about yourself. Is now the time when I will finally repent and begin to bear the kind of fruit that God wants from my life? If you can ask yourself that question, do you know what you've just done? You have repented. so that I am looking over an entire body of Christ that is ready to repent. If you would want to begin to repent, I invite you to pray with me now. God, quite often we have tried to do things our own way with our own power, and time after time again, we see where that gets us. God, we hear your word today, and we ask, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we turn our hearts to you again, as we repent from the things that have kept us from loving you, God, that you would give us the power to live a new life, so that indeed where the Spirit of the Lord is, there would be freedom for us to live in the abundance that you have promised to us. And all of these things, Lord, we pray them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.